0: Clark McCauley and Sofia Moskalenko write, quote, We live in a selfish culture. Individualism, personal achievement, self-interest, and rational choice are the guiding principles for us Westerners. And yet, the foundation of our culture in its ancient traditions, stories, and history lies a powerful idea that reaches beyond the satisfaction of selfish pursuits. Martyrdom and self-sacrifice Are cornerstones of Western civilization." Close quote. I'm Dr. Jim Tonkowicz, your host for these After Dinner Scholar podcasts from Wyoming Catholic College. Dr. McCauley, a friend of the college, neighbor here in Lander, and research professor of psychology at Bryn Mawr College, and Dr. Moskalenko, titled their 2019 book, The Marvel of Martyrdom, The Power of Self-Sacrifice in a selfish world. This podcast will be posted on December 26th, the day after Christmas. It's the commemoration of St. Stephen's martyrdom described in Acts chapter seven. On the 27th, we'll remember St. John, the only apostle who was not martyred. Then on the 28th, it's the memorial of the holy Innocents, the young children who were murdered by King Herod in his attempt to kill Jesus. And finally on Friday, will remember the martyrdom of St. Thomas of Becket. Why do we have these commemorations during Christmas week? I asked theologian and Wyoming Catholic College President, Kyle Washit,
1: Why all the martyrs right after Christmas? And in fact, just to add, for, so for the Roman Rite, we have that lineup in the Byzantine Rite, in addition to the Holy Innocents and St. Stephen, they celebrate the martyrs of Nicomedia, who were burned alive in a church by Diocletian. And so there's this huge, overwhelming sense of tons and tons of martyrs and dramatic martyrs, like the Holy Innocents, the the infant slaughtered by King Herod, or St. Stephen, the very first martyr. So not only is it an emphasis on martyrdom, but an emphasis on dramatic, intense martyrdom. And I think in part, you know, there's the historical answer, which is, oh, well, we were observing the Feast of St. Stephen and the Feast of the Holy Innocents here before the church observed Christmas. But I think that only secondarily gets at the issue. It spiritually is meant to remind us that this manger scene that is so cute and commonplace and in uh, storefronts. That the manger that our Lord was laid in was a stone-carved box that was a sign of the tomb he was going to be laid in. The wise men are going to bring him myrrh that's going to anoint his body in the tomb. That Christmas is a promise of our Lord's death and resurrection and an invitation to martyrdom along with all the beauty and joy of the infant born. Well, I was going to say, let's begin with the early church fathers,
0: where I know you're an expert. What did they have to say about martyrs and about remembering the
1: martyrs? Early on, this devotion to the martyrs uh, comes out in the liturgical practice of the church. Initially, when the church celebrates Sundays, the Eucharistic day, that's the day we have Eucharist, and we celebrate, Increasingly, some well, of those ancient altars look like tombs. They're, they're intended to be places commemorating our Lord's body being placed in his tomb. But as time goes on, the church spontaneously starts to celebrate the Eucharist over the tombs of martyrs. Because they're recognizing in some way that the death of the martyr is a perpetuation and a making present of the paschal sacrifice of our Lord. And so that you start getting these observances of the feast days of the martyrs, where you go and you celebrate uh, the liturgy over the tomb of the martyr. And eventually over time we get so devoted to that that we make it a requirement that has to be a relic of some saint or martyr. But initially it was the martyrs built into the altar or into the cloth on which you're celebrating the Eucharist. And so for them, For the early church, the memory of the martyrs was the memory of our Lord's continual life, his continual presence. And St. Stephen makes that very clear in his preaching. The church in her martyrs, in her preaching, is Christ come again, and the church martyred is Christ sacrificed again.
0: Now, those ideas still apply today.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's going on in the witness we see in the church in Nigeria, in the church in Nicaragua, what we are continually perceiving in our own martyrs and in our memory of the martyrs who have come before us, that this is the life of Christ in the church today.
0: Well, along with scripture, it seems that the martyrs' stories are our family history as Christians as well. Um, How can we become better acquainted with
1: these brothers and sisters? That's one of the things that strikes me in the uh, Byzantine liturgy, for example, is every day there's lists of these obscure names that I don't immediately recognize, but they're these ancient martyrs from the persecution of Diocletian, from the persecution of various emperors, from the persecution at later times. These martyrs, fill the stories of the church's history. And in part, the, the church's martyrology is a great place to start. Who's the feast today? Who's the saint? What's the story we're telling? What does the liturgy of the hours do to help us enter into that mystery? The church wants us to know the stories of the martyrs. She wants us to pray with them. And so let's start by just doing that. Now
0: the church makes a distinction between red martyrs, those who've actually been killed for the
1: faith, and white martyrs. What is a white martyr? So the white martyr, another word we have for that is the confessor, someone who was offering themselves to death, sometimes even endured a persecution that should have ended in their death and they were miraculously delivered in some way. Or at times, someone who lived the life where they suffered any form of persecution, whether that was losing their jobs, social ostracization, real persecution, where they continued to witness to the truth of the faith. So St. John, the evangelist, seems a great example here. The emperor tried to kill him and could not. And so we don't commemorate him as a martyr, but we commemorate him as someone who gladly would have laid down his life. And certainly for many of us, so we pray, we may be delivered from having to actually be in a situation where we're facing real martyrdom, but that we can practice that self-denial, practice that witness in our daily lives, is a great invitation for us today. Of course, St.
0: John was sent to the Isle of Patmos for his testimony about the Lord, and he was an old, old man, And this was a place where he'd go to work mining,
1: right? So, so he was, you know. There there are stories about the emperor trying to kill him in sort of dramatic fashion, and then finally sending him to just labor his life away in exhaustion. And ultimately, the goal was for him to die from exhaustion in the work. And while there, our Lord revealed to him a vision of heaven, which just is again that juxtaposition that in the Christian life, that moment of witness, that moment of suffering. Is the moment when we're also brought especially close to the revelation of our Lord.
0: You know, you mentioned Nicaragua and you mentioned uh, Nigeria, uh, and of course, China and North Korea and you know, all sorts of other places. It, it just shocks me every time I think about it, but there were more martyrs, more Christian martyrs in the 20th century than in the entire 19 previous
1: centuries combined. It is, we is mind-boggling. We live in an age of rampant Christian persecution, but that also means we live in an age of exceptional witnesses of holiness. Whether those are the witnesses of holiness for those who suffered under the communist regime in the USSR, or the martyrs under Nazi Germany, or the martyrs under rising Islamic militants, or China or North Korea. The church is nourished by the blood of the martyrs and dramatic, incredible witnesses of holiness have filled this last century. We are privileged to be alive in this time. Now on Memorial Day, we hear the phrase, all
0: gave some, some gave all. And does that apply to us in our Christian lives?
1: Maybe. I think we want to make this nuance. To be a Christian is to be called to give all. There's no Christianity worthy of the name where we give 10%. We always give 100%. We're called to pour our lives out in service to the gospel. From the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed while we're sleeping, as David prays in the Psalms, our entire life is to be consumed by the love of Christ. Now, that may be the case that many of us, even in the great age of martyrdom that we're in, many of us will not face actual death and martyrdom. And so that's true. Not all of us are called to witness to a literal martyrdom. But we should not think because we're not called to literal martyrdom, or we're delivered from that in some ways, that that gives us a pass for not Letting our entire life be consumed by Christ and service to Him. And die to ourselves
0: to live to Him. Every day. Yeah, yeah. I think of uh, the uh, great Anglican theologian, John Stott, who I heard say with his very British accent, if Jesus is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all. A, A
1: giving of ourselves wholly to Jesus. This this is, seems to me, the most important aspect of the church celebrating martyrdom, even in the days immediately after Christmas. Christianity is a total transformative call to conversion. It is to consume every aspect of our lives. The witness of St. Stephen, the witness of St. John, the witness of the Holy Innocence, and the witness of our Lord born in the manger are all meant to call us to be transformed. I feel especially privileged here at Wyoming Catholic College to be in a place where we're inviting people into the wilderness, that place where when you weren't facing literal martyrdom in the early church, you went out into the wilderness to be fully transformed in your life by your devotion to Christ. That's what the Desert Father started. That's what the monastic started. And at this moment of renewal in the church and in our country, it seems clear to me that our Lord is calling many of us out to this wilderness to let us be transformed, to let us be consumed by his love, to make the young men and women who come out here as students equipped to bear witness in white or red martyrdom, We are in an era where we need total conversion to Christ. No half measures. And the faculty, the staff, and the students of Wyoming Catholic College are devoted to that. And so we are inspired in this Christmas season by the call to the wilderness, by the call to pour ourselves out, to be transformed, and bear witness to a world that desperately needs it, that Jesus Christ is Lord of all.
0: Macaulay and Muskelenko write, quote, true martyrdom is rare. A constellation of circumstances must come together in the same person, at the same place, in the same historical moment to make martyrdom possible and politically powerful. But the necessary condition for martyrdom, its active ingredient, self-sacrifice, is readily available in our daily lives, close quote. One way we can be self-sacrificial is in our giving. It's the end of the calendar year, and worthy causes, worthy organizations, and worthy schools need our support to thrive at the end of the year and in 2024. While we hope some of your philanthropy will come Wyoming Catholic College's way, give open-handedly to the causes you care about, the things you want to be a part of, and thank you in advance for your self-sacrificial generosity. For Wyoming Catholic College, this is Dr. Jim Tonkovich.